Welcome to QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. This is May. And I'm Joy. For more information about our podcast, monthly newsletter, or author resource series, visit us at QWERTYWritingLife.com. That's QWERTY, spelled Q-W-E-R-T-Y. It's the first six letters on your keyboard. So, are you ready? Grab your tea. Or your coffee. And let's chat. Hello, everyone. It's another week. Hello and welcome. Last episode, we gave you 11 questions to help you answer an even bigger question. Where is your place in the creative world? If you began answering questions from last episode, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at QWERTYWritingLife at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. We also told you we'd talk more about the third tier of that process in this episode. And here we are. (laughs) Today's topic is authors and readers. Let's get together. But first, we're going to talk about our creative weeks. So, Joy, what did you do? Well, so I have reached a new stage in my author journey. And that means that I just sent off my final book in Carolina's Legacy Collection to my formatter. So my collection is almost complete. And I'm going to be honest, there's a lot of emotions, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's a little bit scary because it always is scary when you are, when you're done and you've said, this is good mm-hmm. and it's what's going on so out into the world. You always second guess yourself and question things and wonder if you did enough. So there's always that aspect with any book. But now this is, this is the end of the collection, which is both extremely exciting because they're finally going to all be out there in the world together. Um, They've been developing in my mind for so many years. This started back in 2017. And so it's just been quite a journey, but it's also, it's sad. I'm going to miss, you know, the development of it. Now I get to be in a different stage with all of the books and stories, but there will be, I will miss the development of all of it. So that is my creative week. Send tissues. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, but with closure also comes something new. Exactly. And I know you're really excited to dig into Elspeth's story yeah. and all of that too. So, yeah. and it's a whole other genre as well. So mm-hmm. You'll get to figure out what your process is with that, and it's all going to be a wonderful adventure as well. It is, and I'm very excited about it. All of the all of the things coming up are going to be amazing, so I, I am excited. I think that that's probably taking over the other emotions, really, but you got to acknowledge the, the sadness a little bit. <laughs> There's a little bit of grieving to do, for sure, yeah. because you're no longer a novice either. You know, that was your first collection, and so now you are, I don't know, what would you call it? Experience. Experience. <laughs> An experience. Road um, weary. <laughs> Road weary. <laughs> you so many firsts with this one, too, because not only was this your first full-length novel, it was your first short story collection, it was your first um, novella, and it was your first... Oh, epistolary. 
That is hilarious. I know. I that is the first time. I'm pretty sure this is the first time that I have said it right on the first try. So I'm gonna just do this for a second, and y'all are just gonna have to. I've got myself on the back for those of y'all who are listening because it's been a process. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and not only did you have to write the books, or like you know, conceive the books, and then actually write the books, but you had to develop a new process for each new type of book you were writing as well. So that's not easy. That's not easy to do because you have an idea of how your process is whenever you are writing the same type of book. Maybe it's in a series or something like that. But Joy bit off a lot whenever she was like, "I'm going to do." this collection and a, each book is going to be something different. <laughs> I know. What was I thinking? Right. <laughs> no, I love it. I love that you gave us something new and fresh too as readers, because, you know, sometimes reading novels in a series can get a little bit old mm-hmm. and especially the longer the series is. Um, but you, you gave us this beautiful novel and then you gave us this nice little novella, which kind of eased us into something a little bit different. And then we have short stories and then we've got letters and it's just, yeah, it kind of, it just keeps things fresh and new for your readers too. Yeah. Well, and it was just so much fun to do. And I feel like while the processes are different in some ways, it's been interesting to also notice the, the parts of my process that remain the same. So I feel like doing such different things really allowed me to see the the nugget or the core of what my process is too, which is kind of cool. So that is super cool. And it's good for our research for the other thing that we've been researching and trying to like put together. That is very true. (laughs) <laughs> no spoilers today friends no nope. <laughs> but just know we're working on things we are we are oh, so excited <laughs> okay so now I need to know about your creative week yeah so I am um I'm going through some health things so I didn't have a whole lot of time because I'm working on some health things but something cool that did happen that I do count as creative uh is we took our kids to their very first rock concert, Yay. which is not the, that's not the creative thing, <laughs> but it was super fun. Uh, so we went there and the boys took turns. It was like at the beginning of the concert before everything started, Cole had my camera, my youngest had my, my camera and he started taking pictures and the concert was in the Sanger theater. And so there's all this beautiful architecture and, um, and just like filigree and all kinds of stuff all over the place. And so, and so he started taking pictures and then I just kind of watched him and he's eight guys. He's eight. Right. So these pictures, he's taking them and then he would immediately go into Photoshop and edit them into what he wanted them to be. And then he was like, I want, and he would like say it out loud. I want this one to look really old. And then he would play with all of the settings and stuff until it looked the way that he wanted it to. And I just thought that was super cool to watch him do those things. And he ended up with about three or four pictures that he really liked. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to print them off and put them up in his room somewhere. Oh, but so cool. he did that. And then later on in the concert, they sweat, they, my oldest and my youngest switched seats. And so Clay got a hold of my camera and he saw me doing something that he wanted to try. And so I have, I like to do, I don't know if it's, I don't know if this is the name of it, but this is what I call it. Um, kind of like pinpoint photography. So sometimes when there's something really cool 
um, and I want that to be the focus, but it's far away, I will cut my hand and make it into a circle and, and hold it up to the lens oh, to where wow. everything else uh, around the, the inside of the circle is, um, is black or, you know, just kind of really, really blurry. Mm-hmm. And then right there in the center, if you can get your finger and like touch the screen and make it focus, it will, um, it'll make whatever is in the center that you want and focus super sharp. Oh, and cool. so, so I, I did that and Clay thought it was cool and he gave it a shot too. So there was another, another concert that I went to a while back and we'd actually bought a poster. And so I, I used the poster and, and held it over the the lens and you could see the sharpness of everything, but you could also see some of the writing on the poster. It was really cool. Oh, that is um, super cool. Yeah. I don't know if I'm describing it super well. I'll try to put it on no, my Instagram you at are. some point. Oh, but, I love that. <laughs> but yeah, artistic photography kind of hit, uh, hit big this week with the boys in, I guess in a place that was really beautiful and inspiring. And then also we were in the concert too. So, and if you ever get a chance to see Switchfoot y'all, that was an amazing concert. We had a genuine blast. I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did. And I, I mean, from the moment it started until the time it ended, it was just um, epic fun. So, wow. yeah. Oh, what a great experience <laughs> for the boys too. And for y'all to share that with them and then to have this, amazing moment of creativity in the midst of it right I don't know if they like if they thought it was an experience or a moment like that but Britt and I knew like we knew that this was this was a first for them it was going to be experience and so we have some some really great pictures and things like that so we'll probably put those together for them later on in life to be like oh I remember that that was a great time you know I think that'll be the interesting thing about when our kids become adults is them actually sharing with us what things they remember from their childhood or what stood out. I think that's going to be really interesting. Right. I was talking to, um, I was talking to my biological father. This was probably, I don't know, a few months ago or something like that. And we were sitting around the lunch table and I don't know. I just had like this memory or we were talking about something and it conjured a memory. And I was like, I remember going to the junkyard with you to like the, you pull it. Do you have those in Louisiana? (laughs) I don't know. We may, I don't know. (laughs) So there is, it's like this whole big area and uh, it's called a, you pull it. And he needed something. He had a 1980 Honda Accord and there was a piece, it was, you know, it was like old, y'all. <laughs> there was a piece of it that had come off. And um, and so he took us to the You Pull It. He found another Honda Accord and he pulled the piece off. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I remember, I remember like him pulling the piece off and finding the thing that he, need, he needed. And then him opening the, the driver's side door. And looking inside and pulling the air conditioner knobs off of it, too. He's like, I'm going to need these later. <laughs> He's like, one day, one day, those air conditioner knobs are going to go out. <laughs> it was just, a, I don't know. I was very young. I don't, uh, and it was just one of those things that stood out to me. I imagine that he wasn't like, 
this is the thing she's going to (laughs) remember. So we really don't get to choose those things for our kids, I guess is what I'm trying to say there. Uh, But if we provide them with experiences, if we provide ourselves with experiences, you never know which one's going to stick, right? That's so true. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe there's a more likely chance, but (laughs) that's fantastic. Okay, so now let's talk about um, getting authors and readers together. So for those of us who create to share our work, finding the right audience can be kind of a daunting task. We can spend thousands of dollars on courses or publicity gurus um, and people who say that they can gain us an audience. (laughs) um, And we can spend thousands of hours on studying algorithms and and understanding ideal targets and um, and audiences Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. It's just, it's a lot, especially for folks who are like generally short on money and time and who would much rather be creating. And I have a feeling that's a lot of us. Yes, exactly. I know I'm, I'm raising my hand right now. <laughs> so right. May and I are ongoing learners of this topic. We are not experts, okay? But we have learned things over the past several years. And we've got six lessons in bringing authors and readers together that we want to share with you guys today. And then I'm going to explain how they've played out practically in my author journey. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it's nice to kind of a, have a little practical, like, what does this look like in real life? So while we are getting specific for our fellow writers today with examples, we do believe, as with pretty much all of our episodes, that all creatives seeking their ideal audiences can benefit from our thoughts and just mm-hmm. tweak slightly for whatever it is that you produce. So first up, we have learned that there is no get popular quick scheme. Like I always say, and I wish I knew who originally said this to give them credit, but it takes an awful long time to become an overnight success. The other lessons that we'll share, like the questions and tips that we shared back in the first two episodes from the season, these are things that you're going to need to return to over and over as you grow as a creative and as you calibrate your creative purpose. (laughs) Secondly, studying and envisioning your ideal reader is a must-do. A few minutes ago, I mentioned several ways that you can find and reach your audience, like with algorithms and professionals, etc. This one, though, getting specific with describing one person that you can envision reading your book is kind of a Mm non-negotiable. Sorry, guys. (laughs) And it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. But you can go about this in many ways, and a great deal of fantastic resources exist to help you do exactly that. Uh, We'll link a few of those in the show notes as well. What we will say for purposes of this episode, um, if this is done correctly, identifying your ideal reader will result in what some experts call your reader avatar. You'll know who they are, male or female, how old, their occupations, their hobbies, political and religious affiliations. Uh, You may even name this person. Um, You may have multiple avatars if you write in different genres, but you will have a very specific one for each. Mm 
So keeping this pers person in mind will guide you through all of the other lessons and steps that you take as an authorpreneur. Yeah. And also, let me say, if you know this before you start writing, it's so different. The writing experience is so yeah. different because you don't necessarily have that anxiety of will this um, fit into the world? Will this be, you know, a hit in, in, in particular ways? Because you have this one person and it can be a real person too, by the way. It doesn't have to be an avatar. You can say, I can say, um, my ideal reader is um, Joy E. Rankator. And <laughs> I know things about Joy E. Rankator that I want to tailor my story to, right? And so generally, I'm going to have something that is a little bit magical. So she likes to read all different kinds of genres. But if I have a very long descriptive fantasy story, Joy's going to eat it up. Okay. Oh, yes, I will. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> when I get to places where I am wondering what type of craft tool or what type of plot magnet or something like that that I want to use, I can think, what would Joy like here? And that kind of helps narrow down my choices, which also helps in my writing, too. So I like it's that. good for... Yeah, it's good for finding your readers. It's good for marketing and that sort of thing, too. But it's also good for your writing. So that's a little pro tip for you. <laughs> I love that. And I think WWJL, what would Joy like? You know, keep that in mind. <laughs> All the magic. <laughs> so if you know your ideal reader, um, I would suggest keeping them in mind as we move forward with our next several lessons. So our third lesson, answer an important question. What does your ideal reader want that you can provide? Now, certainly this includes the types of books you put out, but it goes much further than that. What do they want in your post on Instagram today? Taking a step back, is Instagram where they are? That's a big question. Um, another question, what do they want to see in your newsletter? What content can you give on these two platforms that can help them? encourage them, entertain them, or enlighten them today. As you're answering these questions for the content you're putting out weekly or daily, you're actually adjusting how you market. And that is that human-centered approach to marketing that Dan Blank teaches to creatives through his coaching, weekly newsletters, social media content, webinars, podcast, and book. Be the Gateway, a practical guide to sharing your creative work and engaging an audience. Um, and as you do these things, always keep your ideal reader in mind. And I'm going to do a little plug here and just let you guys know what treat you have in store for you this season. We are thrilled that Dan Blank is coming on QWERTY Writing Life podcast. And so he is going to be able to just straight from the horse's mouth, you guys are going to get a little bit more about this topic. He is fantastic. And you're going to love that episode. Yeah. And I think that we can kind of have an example here of how he has done that. He's kept the audience in mind in all of the different ways for his nonfiction, at least his nonfiction brand. Right. right. So his newsletters, his social media content, his webinars, podcast and book all seem to have the same audience and they all seem to be 
joy-like avatars. So <laughs> yes, I am who he markets to. <laughs> but you see how joy resonated with the avatar that he chose for his ideal audience and and just kind of just snatched up everything because as soon as she found out that she liked one thing, she wanted it all. Mm-hmm. So that's so true. So true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Just a really ex- example there. Just an example there. <laughs> I love that. That was perfect. I'm glad you shared that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. As you do number three, um, it will lead directly into the next lesson. We're going to do number four. We're going to build experiences with your audience and the goal of engaging with them in mind. Mm -hmm. Three and four, they do go hand in hand. Three is asking the right questions and seeking the right answers. And four is putting them into practice. So Joy is going to give us some examples of how these lessons have played out in her author journey. But first, we're going to share our last two lessons. (laughs) So once you've built experiences with your audience in mind and know who you're going to tell about them, you're ready for the next lesson. So fifth, know what you offer and fine-tune how you present it. Now, I shared an example in the first episode of this season of how I did this earlier this year, and I'll share that again in a few minutes for you guys. But as you can see, uh, each of these lessons that we're sharing with you really do build on one another, but they're not static or set in stone, as May is going to share with our final lesson. So as you evolve on your creative journey, your abilities will grow as well, and your interests may even change. Your understanding of who your audience will shift as well, and you're going to learn how to identify them. So sixth, you may need to redefine your definition of success based on the fruits of all of your efforts. So like we saw in the episode one with calibrating our creative purpose, our definition of success is likely another aspect that will evolve and adapt as we grow. Now, Joy has some thoughts on and examples of each of these six lessons we've shared, and her efforts on this front are producing fruit after seven years of learning and growing and creating and engaging. So, um, because she has the fruit, share away. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, May. (laughs) Like I said at the beginning, I'm no expert. I'm simply a fellow learner. Uh, Since some of these lessons are things that are years in the making, I'm thankful that I finally feel I have something concrete to share. Um, Because it's one thing to like know these things like, you know, this is the right practice, or this is a good tip, but to actually be able to say, this worked out for me, and here's how. Um, That's pretty exciting. So I'm actually going to begin with the sixth lesson, redefining success, because this is the most recent one for me. And it's also one that I'm still in the process of learning. It may be one of those lessons that remains ongoing from here on. I'll let you know. But the way this played out for me earlier this year was in realizing that my focus on defining success in terms of monetary values or numbers of books sold was going to continue to keep me in a state of discontent, and it was going to keep me burdened with a feeling of inadequacy and a constant questioning of, is this all worth it? So after church one Sunday, our pastor's wife expressed appreciation for one of my books and then said something along the lines of, I'm just so happy you're seeing such success. And my initial response was about to be, no, I'm not. (laughs) Are you crazy? (laughs) But I stopped myself and internally began a discussion about what is success after all. 
So I had recently received the invitation to participate as a featured author and panelist at the Louisiana Book Festival. I had been invited to speak in several other capacities and had been spoken to and about as kind of a go-to resource for publishing and writing in our area. Now, each of those opportunities and interactions really added up to huge success as I shifted my definition from money to mission. So that shift has occurred through implementation of each of these lessons, often slowly and sometimes revisited over the past seven years. The first two lessons required some trial and error on my part. I am not immune to the overnight success trap, and I wasted some time on following rainbows without finding that pot of gold. Focusing in on the priority of who my ideal readers are has helped me slow down and build firm foundations. By asking the right questions about my audience and thinking deeply about the goals for myself as an author and for my writing, I've been able to put more energy into building the right experiences and making them better as I go. By recognizing them as experiences that I offer to my target audience, I'm finally able to present them to the right people in the right way. I've also discovered the junction of my audience for my books and one of the goals that I have for myself and fellow authors, and that is bringing authors and readers together. So, after recognizing how they go together and calling them what they are, I've been more deliberate in collaborations with like-minded authors who have similar audiences, and I've invited them to partner with me in those experiences. To do these things, I also answered those 11 questions from our second episode about finding our place in the creative world. And because of a recognition of the importance of the experiences I offer to my goal of bringing authors and readers together, I continue to pour energy into my weekly social media book club, monthly virtual book club, annual summer reading challenge, which I love, (laughs) and occasional authors of the roundtable events. So all these lessons and questions and steps together have led to what I mentioned earlier, how I introduced myself. So this is what I say now. I've brought it all together. I am an award-winning multi-genre indie author writing the soul with heart through my collection of Southern fiction with Christian roots, nonfiction writings, and fantasy stories. My goal is to provide reader experiences that bring readers and authors together to celebrate clean books. So, having been through these processes and taken the time to unpack the lessons we've been learning along the way, I know that how I introduce myself today might change next year or next decade, but I now have the tools to make those changes, and I hope that they will help you guys as well. Oh, man. The creative journey is correctly named because (laughs) it isn't a straight line. Uh, It's not a steady incline uh, to some great prize on a summit. Um, It's a back and forth, and it's an up and down and often long and curvy road where only we can recognize the prize or the successes along the way, and we can call them that. So a kind word from a reader is success. Mm. Having someone recognize our growth or dedication or hard work is success. Our task is to notice and to call them by that name. Mm. Yeah. And now it is time for our QWERTY challenge. (laughs) I feel like we should have like some special little music or countdown or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Trumpets. (laughs) 
this week, we would love for you to identify one of these lessons that you'd like to better implement in your creative journey. As a reminder, here they are. (laughs) First, there is no get popular quick scheme. No easy button here, guys. No. Second, studying and envisioning your ideal reader is imperative. Third, (laughs) answer an important question. What does your ideal reader want that you can provide? Fourth, build experiences with your audience and the goal of engaging with them in mind. Fifth, know what you offer and fine-tune how you present it. Sixth, you may need to redefine your definition of success based on the fruit of all of your efforts. So, let us know which one you're working on or what you're learning. (laughs) And next time, we'll be tweaking a previous question that we asked this season and answering, where is your art's place in the creative world? We hope you'll join us. Until then, have a great week. And go make something. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this episode encouraged you. Like all creatives, we thrive on consumer recommendations. So please consider leaving us a review and sharing our podcast with your creative friends. If you'd like to continue this conversation, visit us on our website at QWERTYWritingLife.com or on Instagram at QWERTYWritingLife.